Hi, and welcome to the Hollywood Dreammaker Podcast. I'm your host, Billy Gallo. I'm a 35-year veteran actor. I'm the kid who came out to Hollywood with 200 bucks in my pocket and a one-way ticket when I was 18. Didn't know a soul out here, and I've been living my dream ever since. I've had an amazing career. I've been an Academy Award-winning film, blockbuster film, hit TV series. You name it, I've done it, and I got the IMDb credits to prove it. Six years ago, I opened up my own school, the Manhattan Actors Studio, where I found my true passion. That's teaching the craft of acting, but not only teaching the craft of being the guy. Success leaves clues. I know how to make dreams a reality. I did it for myself, and I do it on a daily basis for my students. And I can help you achieve yours. Welcome to my podcast. Let's get started. I am super excited to introduce my guest. He's a man of many talents. He's the founder and CEO of Stage 32. Stage 32 is the world's largest online platform connecting and educating film and TV creatives and executives worldwide. He's a producer, screenwriter, actor, entrepreneur. He's a best-selling author of crowdsourcing for filmmakers. He's taught at institutions such as Harvard, USC, and Columbia University on the subjects of filmmaking, film financing, producing, screenwriting, social media, crowdsourcing, crowdfunding, entrepreneurship, and business. I mean, this guy's got his finger on the pulse of Hollywood. I'd like to introduce my friend, Richard R.B. Botto. Richard, welcome to the show. Thank you, Billy. Awesome to see you, my friend. I miss you. I don't I get to see you. you live. All of our conversations are like this or on the phone or via text as I guess is everybody's these days, but I miss being with you and I miss being in that studio. Yeah. I miss having you here. So we're recording this on December 4th. I believe we're kind of, I don't know, 10 months into COVID. Yeah. I, I just, don't... just so people don't think I'm insane that, that I'm having a bourbon while I'm talking to you. It is close to four in the afternoon. It is Friday. <laughs> It's been a long week, and I've and it is COVID time, so I've earned this. Uh, Good for you. I wish I could join yeah. you right now. <laughs> <laughs> How am I holding up? I'm holding up well. I mean, business has been insane. It's been incredibly inspiring in a lot of ways. I mean, running a platform such as this is inspiring on a day-to-day basis anyway, because you're dealing with creatives and executives in in film, television, and digital content all over the world. We have almost three quarters of a million people, 750,000 people on the platform now from all over the world. A lot have joined you know, since this has started because they're home. And what's been very inspiring for us is to see so many people using this time to, and you know, some people have been challenged by it as well. I, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna minimize that, but how many people are really trying to use this time to create, you know, to, to write, to learn, you know, filmmakers learning producing, screenwriters learning filmmaking. It's It's been very, very inspiring on that front. You know, and on a personal front, I mean, all the normal challenges I think that everybody else is facing, you know, in the day to day, but trying to keep everything rolling as well. I, I, I'm the type of person as much, I, very much like you are, that doesn't really have a rear view. I like to keep looking forward and, and not worrying about you know, what I can't control and, and try to worry about what I can control. And I think that that's uh, been very helpful during these times. That's awesome. I love that you're, you know, what you're doing. I mean, if, if people don't know what stage 32 is, can you give them a brief little explanation on why, if I'm an actor or a writer or a producer or somebody in the industry, why should I be on stage 32? 
Sure. I mean, for, for one, I mean, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs will tell you that they start a business out of identifying a need and filling that need. That was very true in this situation, but I built it for myself because unlike a lot of other entrepreneurs, the guy that started Uber, you know, wasn't a, a cab driver, you know, the, you know, it's, it's, I'm in the business and I've been in the business. And because of that, I understand the tribal nature of this business conversation. You and I have had very often, this is a relationship business. Your talent gets you noticed, but your relationships get you to the next level and the next level and the next level. And so I wanted to create a platform that sort of filtered down from the broad-based social media platforms like Facebook and, and Instagram and Twitter and all that, where a lot of people are connected to a large group. They're not just connected to people in the industry. They're connected to their friends and their family, and they're sharing pictures of salads, dogs, babies, and all that. This is more for people that are just in the industry. These are only creatives. So it's a very, very concentrated social media platform. So that's one reason to be on it, because, you know, this is a global business now and it's becoming more global by the day. And I think this pandemic, if it's going to do one thing, is that, you know, you saw yesterday with Warner Brothers, you know, going to release all their films on HBO Plus and everything. The paradigm has changed. The, this, this business is going to become more global. So your community and your relationships are going to matter more than ever, and they should be broad and they should be global. So that's one reason. The second reason is that we have the largest education library for film, television, and digital creatives and professionals anywhere in the world. It's over 1,300 hours of education taught by over 2,000 executives and professionals that we work with worldwide. So no matter what you're looking to learn or no matter what discipline you work in or what you're trying to learn professionally about the business, we have education being taught by people that are doing it right now. The people that are in the rooms, the people that are making the movies, making the TV shows, you know, working in the digital content space, so that's another reason to be on it. And then the, the third, I would say, is that we provide services that give you direct access to the gatekeepers. So what that allows, of course, is to cut down your time on being able to get your content and your brand in front of people who can make a big time difference in your career. Now you've had some success recently with some of your writers, right? You have a film with Baldwin coming up? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have a movie that was released I want to say two weekends ago called Chick Fight. That was a, that actually was a full effort. It wasn't just the writer. We discovered the writer back in 2016, discovered this script. And this is a perfect example. We work with a bunch of producers and a bunch of financiers who teach for us on the platform. And we brought the script to a legal firm that we work with some of these producers, and it took almost three and a half years, but almost every single person, if you watch Chick Fight, which is Malin Ackerman's production company, was the company that picked it up. Malin Ackerman is the main star. Bella Thorne, Alec Baldwin. If you look at all the producer credits and even the legal credits on that film, almost every single one of the people and companies that are involved are state, you know, involved with Stage 32. Are there you know, Stage 32 educators or companies that we work with? That's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. So listen, I created this podcast to inspire young artists, dreamers. Mm -hmm. If you have a dream about coming to Hollywood, whether you want to be an actor, a stuntman, or a screenwriter, whatever it may be, you know, you have that dream. It's in you, but you don't know where to get started. You have naysayers. People don't believe in you. People laugh at you when you tell them your dreams. I created this because I want to inspire those young artists because mm -hmm. I am them. Mm -hmm. We're kids that grew up in a neighborhood and had a dream. Listen, when, when I was a kid, everybody I told my dream to kind of laughed at me and, and was a joke. 
But when I came out to Hollywood with 200 bucks in my pocket and a one-way ticket, and you know, before you knew it, I had my own TV series, they weren't laughing anymore. So if I can do it, coming from a broken home, I ran away from home when I was 15. I was running the streets. Mm -hmm. You know, if if I can do it, you can do it too. My guests that I've had on the show, they're such inspiring stories. Guys that were in federal prison and shot four times and, you know, were in a gang life. And then they, they clean drugs and they clean themselves up and they went after their dream and they achieved the dream. They can do it. You can do it. Late in the game, started out late in the game and made a career out of it. So a Hollywood dream. Can you tell me about your dream or how you came out here? What was your journey? Yeah, sure. I mean, the, always loved the arts and always loved film. And I was one of those, you know, I grew up in New York like you did, Brooklyn and Staten Island. And, you know, I when we were growing up, I think you would agree that Hollywood might have spelled, or L.A. might have spelled have been another country or another planet. Like we, you know, people, if you told people that you wanted to become a writer or an actor or a filmmaker, they would look at you like you had success. They'd be like, yeah, sure. Get on the bus, get on the ferry, go to go to Wall Street and, and you know, schlep your, your bag for the next 40 years, you know, and work your way up the corporate ladder. I didn't want any part of that. So in college, I took a lot of acting classes. I was always writing, not knowing exactly what I wanted to do. I really, honestly, I think I wanted to always be a filmmaker. And over time, I created a couple, I started a couple of businesses that were revolving around tech and the arts. But one of them that I started was a, a magazine called Razor Magazine, which was, it competed against, you know, GQ and, and Esquire and Maxim at the time, which was gigantic at the time. We used to joke that we're the magazine when you're done with your Maxim years and not ready for your Esquire years. So that'll give you an idea of where we sat in the space. We were the, for the sophisticated guy, the sort of mobily upscale guy. We were kind of in a way replacing GQ and GQ started dumbing down. Now GQ's kind of come back the other way now, but during that time, everybody wanted to be maximum, wanted to take maximum audience. We had no desire for that. So by virtue of that, we were able to attract a lot of high level talent that didn't want to be in those other magazines. So I got to meet a lot of producers, a lot of actors, a lot of writers, and during the, I should back up a little bit. I had come from a background acting in theater in New York. I did a lot of small theater stuff, nothing gigantic, but was hanging out with the theater community and loved it. I loved acting. I loved doing it. I never knew if it was going to be my everything because I loved the writing end of it as well and did a lot of writing during that time. So, you know, grad kind of, kind of coming from that into this world where now which being on a magazine shoot is like being on a movie set. It's a lot of hurry up and wait. So you sit around and you end up talking to all the talent for hours and hours on end and picking their brains. And I learned a lot. It was, it was you know, better than going to film school or any other school for that matter. And I learned a lot about mostly how to handle yourself and how to bring value in this business because everything is about bringing value in this business it's not just your talent it's what else you can you know what else can you bring to the table so once razor was done i started producing and i produced a film called another happy day that went to sundance it was sam levinson's first movie and it was during that time where i really realized i had the idea for stage 32 maybe a year earlier i knew it was going to take up a lot of time and take me away from the creative end it took me about two years to convince myself to do it, but it was on that set because we were shooting in Michigan. And if you've ever been on the set of an independent film, which I know you have, but I'm saying to your listeners, you know that it's like summer camp, right? Everybody comes together and everybody feels great about everything. And, you know, we're going to talk to each other forever. We're going to be friends forever. And everybody goes their separate ways. Nobody 
until somebody needs a job and then they come to you. Well, this is what happened because, we, you know, the tax incentives in Michigan at the time was so big. That's where we shot. And we had all our stars, Demi Moore, Ellen Barkin, Thomas Hayden Church, George Kennedy. I mean, Ellen Bernstein, Kate Bosworth. We were all staying in a Hilton in the middle of nowhere. And, right. you know, sitting by the pool at night drinking beers because that's all there was to do. And everybody, you know, nobody was a star. Everybody was just a person. But then, you know, once the tax incentive dried up and everything like that, everybody wanted to come out to L.A. And, you know, can you help me get a job? And sure, I could put in a good word, but I was like, you know, a lot of people out here set up roots. You know, what I mean, this is the importance of relationships and the tribal part of it. And this is why, for me, it was so important to start Stage 32. So the journey has been a long one. It's been a very diverse one, very varied, but it's always been full of the idea that creativity is what fuels me and that, that idea that anything is possible, which I totally agree with you on. And I know you and I have had a million conversations about this, but being able to create a platform as well that spreads that word on a daily basis. And that is the foundation of what the platform is about. So that's been, you know, a big part of the journey. And now, I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, you talk about moving out to LA. And when I started stage 32, I was actually living in Arizona. I was splitting time between LA and Arizona, but I was mostly in Arizona because my family was out there. I was taking care of some people. And when I moved out to LA, I, I didn't know a lot of people. So all my success in this business, including all the money I've been paid for my writing, everything I've produced, has come from relationships I've built over the last seven years by understanding the importance of working on networking and relationship building on a daily basis. So when people say to me, like, oh my God, you must have been, you know, you must have all these relationships for you know, 10, 20 years. I'm like, no, it's only been like the last five or six. And but the success and, and the things I even have in the pipeline right now all came from building these relationships and putting in the work. So and that also goes into anything is possible with the caveat of you got to put in the work. So if I'm a young actor or screenwriter or somebody that has wants to be in the industry, what do I do? I just go up on stage 32. I, I create an account and, and then I start kind of networking in there and I start introducing yeah. myself to people. Yeah. And I mean, are there, if I'm an actor, can I get an acting job? Are there auditions in there or? Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's, there's a job, there's a job section where you can audition and send your reels the big thing I tell everybody when they join is, look, treat it like you would treat any other social network platform, but also treat it more seriously. And what I mean by that is you've got a lot of people that go on these broad-based social media platforms and they do it to waste time. You know what I mean? They do it to, again, like I said, post pictures of their dogs, their salads, their whatever, or to just you know argue about politics or whatever the heck it's going to be. But if you're on stage 32, well, you'll see if you go on there. I mean, we have we call it the lounge, which is our version of forms. And they're broken up into, you know, screenwriting, filmmaking, acting, and whatever. There's over 150,000 threads in there. And every single one of them is about the business every, or the craft. So people take their networking very seriously on there. Everybody has fun. I mean, it's a beautifully fun network and it's overwhelmingly positive. We don't allow any trolling. We don't allow any abuse. We'll kick you off. We'll warn you and kick you off. And I got to be honest with you, in almost 10 years, we've only kicked off about eight people, which is amazing. If you think about the fact that you could probably look at eight posts on your Twitter feed right now and probably see examples of abuse of people that could, should get kicked off. So the whole thing is you get on and you bring value to the community, share content, ask questions, get involved. You know what I mean? I always say, like, if you went to an acting conference, let's say, and you were going to spend $1,000 to get there, 
would you go and then stand in the corner? Well, that's the same thing when you hop on a social media site that's as focused as Stage 32 is. If you come on and don't do anything, nothing's going to happen. But if you get yourself in there and put yourself outside your comfort zone a little bit, which I know is the case for some people, but put yourself outside your comfort zone and get involved and bring value to people, ask people questions and not you know come from a place of selflessness as opposed to selfishness, which is happens in this business, as we know, you're going to reap the rewards. But you got to understand, too, and I know you agree with this. You got to embrace the fact that it's a marathon and not a sprint. You got to embrace the fact that this is a long game and it is a long game. Nobody walks in. I don't want to hear about these overnight successes. One of my favorite things was when Brie Larson won the Oscar and they're like, oh, God, she's an overnight success because nobody saw the 50 independent films that she did when she was from six years old on. They only saw room. You know what I mean? So there are no overnight successes. What there is, is, you know, people that come in and do the work and put in the time and stay committed and understand how to take defeat because there is a lot of defeat, which is not an easy thing to do. But the more you learn how to do it and the more you experience it, the easier you, you end up learning from every setback or every no. You know, I always say that the no is an opportunity. I always say every no brings you closer to a yes. Get a, get yeah. a lot of no's, you know? As long as you learn something from the no. You know Absolutely. what I mean? If you, if you get defeated by the no, which is, I mean, listen, we all do. I mean, I had it recently with a project that was so close to the sun and the whole thing collapsed. It was, you know, a year and a half in the making and it collapsed. And it, was, it was devastating. I'm not going to lie, even after all this time. But I had to kind of retreat and look at it and go, nothing I can do about it at this point. What can I learn from it? What, how, if I was going to do it again, what would I do differently? Is there anything I could do differently? Or do you just kind of go like, you know what? There was nothing I could have done differently. It's, it was out of my control. But everybody loved it. Everybody got, we got this far. So everybody must have seen value in it. So maybe somebody else will see value in it. And that's the perspective, right? It's not dead. It's dead here. It's not dead forever. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. the way, it, when you start embracing that kind of mindset, and it's not easy, but if, if you can you'll embrace the idea that this is a long game and that nothing happens overnight and that the biggest names in this P and biggest names in this business get rejected. We know that all the time, you know, all the time. I always tell the story of when I came out to Hollywood and that $200 ran out real fast. And I, I knew I needed to get an agent, you know, and I got a list of agents from the screen actors guild and I went down through the A's knocking on the doors, the B's and the doors were slamming on me. They were, you know, get lost, you know, the D's and I kept banging on the door and I finally found an agent at Y, but I could have stopped at C or, but I kept banging on the door and, and somebody's gonna like what you bring into the table and say, yeah, yeah. I don't have somebody like you. Yeah. I want to work with you. Yeah. And your stories are all your stories are so inspiring and they're, they really are. I mean, like I can listen to you I, I, and I do, I listen to you and I'm just like, Jesus, like you, it makes you want to run through a wall because you didn't take no for an answer with anything. That attitude kind of presented itself in other situations that were to your benefit, like even when you auditioned, because you know you you built up a security and a confidence in the belief that my independent goal is not going to be derailed by anyone else's opinion, and that is there's so much strength in that. And I think that that's another thing that I would just say if, to young people that are listening right now. Somebody's opinion is somebody's opinion. It's one person. You get a rejection. That's one person. Like, even when I get notes on a screenplay to this day, I don't get defensive. I just say, if it's something I don't agree with, I go, you know, let me think about that. Let me look at that. 
But then I sit there and say, that's one person's opinion. So maybe somebody else would have read it and said, I love that part. You don't know, right? But you got to be able to trust your instincts and you got to remember that it's your goal. It's your dream. It's your path. And not somebody, don't let other, other people knock you off of it. And I think that's one of the dangers of social media as well, especially broad-based, especially with everybody being home. I keep telling people, and again, I was recommending this because I know you want to inspire young people, but I would say to anyone listening to this who has felt sort of demoralized or depressed by broad-based social media, and I include Facebook in that and, and Twitter, obviously, like I always tell people, writers, I get to teach writers all the time, and I say, if you are following the, the screenwriting hashtag on Twitter right now, you need to get off. Because there is so much negativity and so much false information on there that could set you back months, not only set you back and, you know, get you, you know, depressed or sad or, or in, a, in a position where you're not motivated to create, but also where you might be absorbing information by, from somebody that's even less qualified than you are and using that as gospel and it could set your career path back a long time. So I would say if you're on broad-based social media, curate your list. You know, you know, make sure you're curating accounts and people who are qualified to give you advice or that, you know, you should be taking advice from. Get off of the, the broad hashtags and everything and curate your own list. I think it's vitally important right now, it's especially with everybody important. home. Super yeah. important. I mean, you listen, just out of curiosity, you know, I typed in acting into a Instagram or Facebook or YouTube just to see, you know, like what's out there. And I couldn't believe how much crap's out there. So there are much. so many people selling courses like the the authority on the subject. And if you look them up, they got those three credits of those part of the guy on the bus and the the guy in the, <laughs> exactly right. You know, those are the credits that they got in in these short films. And but they're the authority on acting. And it's, you know, it's I, insane. I'm blown away. That's why I, right now I'm creating my digital course. So wherever you are, you can take my course. It doesn't matter. You can't, if you can't make it to my studio, you yeah. can take my course because there is so much crap out there. It, like you said, you can take some serious steps backwards. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. I was watching it. Uh, there's a, I don't want to throw any shade, but there was somebody talking about how do you cry on camera? Their advice was like, hold your breath and stare in the corner and, you know, <laughs> cut an onion <laughs> you know it's like are you kidding me that's not acting oh don't worry if you can't call they'll just put some drops in your eyes i'm like no 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 that's my advice <laughs> don't listen to that crap it's worth note i want everybody to know this because you know i don't know if they if we made it clear but i mean billy was training me acting wise we've been friends for a while but we started working together probably about Seven, eight months before COVID hit. And then we had some great momentum going. I loved working with Billy. I mean, and then this, you know, COVID happened and, and everything else happened and everything else exploded. But if you are interested in acting and you're interested, I mean, you need to look at what Billy's doing. I mean, you really do. I mean, I dealt with acting teachers in New York and people that, you know, were revered and, and everything like that. Your style of doing, and, and, and I got, my point is, is that your style, your way, your understanding and what I feel is your empathy and compassion for the actor is so different than any other teacher I've ever seen. And it's a credit to you. It's, it's, it's who you are as a person as well. So, I mean, again, if you're watching this, it, you know, you need to, to check it out, check out what Billy's doing.
Well, thanks, brother. You know, it, it means a lot. And, and I can't wait for COVID-10 so you can get back on the stage over here <laughs> because you're a talented actor. You, well, should thank be, you. you should be doing that. You know, you should be working more as an actor. I mean, I know you got your hands full with all your projects and stuff like that, but I truly believe that you can be a working actor. No problem. I mean, I know you, I you, get a, you just did a film too. What's that, that film you just... Yeah, I mean, I had a very small part in a buddy of mine's film called On the Corner of Ego and Desire. I loom large through the whole thing because the, the, the main characters are looking for me the whole movie, oh, you cool. know, and then and then they find me at the end. So, so you, like it, it feels like I'm in it a hell of a lot more than I am. But they uh, but they finally find me at the end. So the, the whole film was shot at Sundance. It was shot guerrilla style two years ago. My friend Alex Ferrari, who runs a great podcast called Indie Film Hustle, he directed it. He told me about it about a year earlier. He said, I'm not even going to tell you what it's about. He goes, I'm just going to tell you that when you got to show up, you got to show up. And, and he, you know, he allowed me to improv a lot of it, mainly because awesome. he didn't really have a script for it. And we literally shot it on the last night of Sundance after I was up there for 10 days at one in the morning after I had been at probably 16 parties that day and had about 35 cocktails, but it worked <laughs> out. It worked out perfectly. But yeah, I mean, I really do enjoy it. It's, you know, and this is, I guess this is another teachable moment in a way too, is that to go back in, you know, it had been a while since I had done anything with acting. I've been really kind of been on the other side of it. I've been on the writing and producing side much, much more. And, you know, to come back in and start training again was, it was tough. It was tough for me to, you know, to kind of say, okay, like, you know, it, it felt like, you know, you were starting from nothing. And that was almost a defeating feeling. So I just want people to understand that, you know, like there, there was that feeling. And then what I will tell you is when I got back in and I had your support and started going, I wouldn't say it was like riding a bike again, but there was certainly that thing where almost like where if you worked out your whole life and then you, you stopped for five years and then you went back into the gym and you know, you're starting and you're out of shape, but you also know that you've done it. And that if you do it a little bit more and you get into it, that you're going to feel good and you're going to feel better and, and you know how to do it. Like, you know, you know that you, you've done it before. There is that thing where all of a sudden, like, you know, the second and third week or the second and third session, you're kind of like, OK, you know, I, I got this. And, yeah, I am glad I got off my, my ass off, you know, the couch or whatever, or my ass into the studio to do it. Yeah, it's, but it's it's like you said, it's like going to the gym, man. You want to work out. You want to you mm -hmm. get that, you know, the pump. You got to go mm -hmm. do the curls. You got to do the push-ups. You got to do the sit-ups. The reps. You know, got to do the reps. I, got, I, I keep telling my actors right now during this COVID time, man, this is a gift. Don't waste this time. Don't come out of COVID not better, stronger uh, with your craft, everything. You should be working on your self-tapes. You should be self-taping yourself every day. You should find monologues, the roles that you see yourself playing and, and work on that. You should be working on accents. You should be going to the, you know, you can't go to the gym, but work out. This is your instrument. Get this in mm -hmm. peak shape. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's no excuse. This is the time to rise up, not lay down. I've seen a lot of people lay down and get soft during this time. And you know what? This is what happens. It's like, listen, I, I'll tell you a funny story. It's like back in the day when I had, you know, I was over at Caesar's Palace and I had the Caesar suite and, you know, I was, uh, you know, I was kind of high rolling and Mike Tyson walked into the elevator. We were, he was on the same floor as me and he had his shoes off and he, you know, you could tell he had a few in them and we were goofing around in the elevator and a week later, Buster Douglas knocked the shit out of him. <laughs> there you go. Okay. 
You know why? Because he didn't take it serious. He wasn't training. He wasn't jumping rope. He wasn't hitting a bag. He was hanging out, strolling around, you know, getting soft. Now, mm -hmm. that's exactly what's going to happen when the bell rings, ding, ding in Hollywood and you're going up to audition. You better be the guy that's been jumping rope. You better be the guy that's been training so you don't mm -hmm. get your ass knocked out. You want to be the person that comes into the room and knocks everybody out with your performance. And the only way you're going to do that is by putting in the reps and going to work. I this love is, that. This is not a time to get soft. No, and I have a bookend story to that that actually is fantastic. I was on a flight with Mike Tyson where during the razor years, flying from Vegas back to New York, and this was after he got knocked out by Buster Douglas, and half years later, where he was making his comeback, and he was training his ass off, and he was about to go fight Peter McNeely in London. And I had a newspaper because back you know, back in those days, you had a newspaper. And I said to him, I said, they say here that you're going to, you know, he's going to take, you're not, you know, they're just going to get you. He's not serious. And he went, oh, yeah? He goes, I'm going to knock him out in two. He goes, I'm ready. You don't know how serious I am. And he knocked him out in two. So he was prepared and he learned, right? He learned from the defeat, right? So that's it. Now, here's what I will say about, Look, I don't want to be insensitive to people that because we deal with this all day on stage 32. People write in all the time and they're saying like, God, you know, you're so positive and you're so motivating and everything. Like I'm having just such a hard time to either know somebody that maybe was affected by COVID or they're going through a little bit of depression because they're stuck at home. I get it. OK, here's what I would say to everybody. All right. First of all, this is an exceptional time to cut the negativity out of your life. OK, that means cutting all negative people out. I did this a couple of years ago where I just kind of did an inventory of people that were negative or sucking the soul out of me and said, I, you know, can't do it. I can't do it. I, I need to have positive people around me. I need positive energy around me. Do that. Part of doing that is what I said earlier. So many of us are attached. I threw my phone over there. So many of us attached to the phones and, and again, are on social media. And there's so much negativity on social media. So if you need to be on social media, and I'm not talking about Stage 32 because I'm telling you, you're going to find the most positive community you've ever found if you get on there. But if you're on the broad-based platforms, make sure you're curating them, like I said, and make sure you only have positive voices in there. Because if you surround yourself with positive voices and positive energy, guess what? I think you're going to get yourself in a position where you're going to understand that there is going to be, and it's already starting, a content gold rush of 2021, okay? Just because physical production is limited right now and for a while wasn't non-existent, and you know, maybe non-existent again over the next couple of months as all these cases are surging, what I can tell you straight out by working with the 2000 executives that we work with and talking to a ton of them, you know, on all of my staff, talking them on a daily basis and finding out what they need, everybody, development is happening on a grand scale, okay? I've been pitching a TV show. We attached a showrunner and a producer. I've been pitching a TV show to networks and producers for the last three months. It's a 45-minute pitch. We're getting in rooms, virtual rooms, but we're getting in rooms and we're listening to them talk about what their mandates are for Q2, Q3, Q4, 2021. And some of them are already talking about Q1, Q2, 2022. So there has never been a better time right now to hone your craft, learn a new skill. If you are looking to learn a new skill, to be more attached and attuned to what's happening in the business. And that means reading the trades and taking webinars and taking classes so that you learn than right now.
This is going to be an explosion when this is over. The amount of new streaming networks that are coming online that need content, the amount of existing streaming networks that are running out of content, the amount, you know, I mean, on and on. Okay. I mean, it's, it's endless. And if you're not in the middle of it, then you're going to be, you know, that 26 mile marathon, 26.2 mile marathon I talked about. Well, well, people are breaking the tape. You're going to be in mile 10. That's such great advice. You know, let's talk about social media a little bit. You got to be really, and I, and I, I got to, you got to be really careful what you're putting out there because yep. I'm not going to mention any names, but I, you know, I, I, I looked at, I had an actor, a new actor and I, and I, kind of, you know, I like to see what my actors are putting out there because, you know, I kind of keep an eye on, I, I look at my students like my children, you know, <laughs> I want to mm -hmm. make sure they're behaving themselves. And I was looking at one of my actors' social media stuff and, and it was just, there was a lot of negativity. There was a lot of maybe racist hate. There was, there was just some reverse, there was some stuff out there that would just, the energy was not right. And I told that actor, I said, listen, you got to be really careful what you're putting out there. Because one day I'm a producer and I'm going to want to hire you and I don't know you. And I'm going to look, the first places I'm going to look is I'm going to Google you and I'm going to go online. And I'm going to look at your social media. And if I see you and I see that negative stuff, I'm going to go with the next guy because I don't mm -hmm. need that headache. I don't need that aggravation. I don't need that. It's super important to know what you're putting out there. Make sure you're building your brand. Make sure whatever you're putting out there is your best self, that you're really, truly showing your talent. If you're an actor, well, then you better put some acting stuff out there. I want to see you act. You're, you're a product. You're selling you. You better be putting out some stuff. I don't, want to, I don't care about your dog. I don't care mm -hmm. about you partying it up, drinking and save that. Post stuff that's going to really enhance your brand. What's, what's your advice on that? Man, first of all, I love the fact that you use the word brand because I, I harp on this all the time. I'm going to grab this. I know you're bored of crowdsourcing for filmmakers, but I'm going to bring it anyway, okay? A lot of people think that crowds, because this has to do with this. Crowds, this is why I wrote the book. All right? I was asked to write the book by Focal Press and by the American film market. Crowdsourcing is not crowdfunding. It's identifying, engaging, and moving a crowd on behalf of the brand of you and the brand of your projects if you're a filmmaker, producer so on and so forth, or writer. I highly recommend, and by the way, you can listen to it on audiobook, on Audible. This is on Amazon. It's on Audible. It has over 100 five-star reviews. If you go to Audible, you can listen to it for free. So I'm not I, even- I, I've listened to it. It's an awesome book. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. And, I'm, and, I'm, and trust me, I'm plugging it, but nobody gets rich writing a book. It's, I wrote this book because I wanted to well, give. It's got I some mean, great stuff in there. Yeah, nobody makes money about writing a book. So I, at least a book like this. I'm pushing it because I think it's vitally important. I think that crowdsourcing right at this moment is more important than it's ever been. And here's why. The branding, what you're talking about, and the example that you give, you gave, I actually lived through this. I'm going to get to that in a minute. But you don't realize how important your brand is. And you, some people don't realize that they have a brand. But if you're the person that's on social media ranting and raving all the time, guess what? That's your brand. If you're the person online that's you know bitching and moaning about Trump or Biden or whatever, and that's all you're doing, that's your brand, okay? I have pretty strong political beliefs. You won't find them on my social media. If you go to my social media, what you'll see is my brand that I try to present is aspirational, inspirational, and motivational. And that's what I try to put out there. Do I put out some pictures of my dog and stuff like that every once in a while? Because I want people to know me too. I don't want everything to be all this education that I'm pushing out there and everything like that. I want you guys to know that I'm a human being as well, okay? 
I'm not the guy in the ivory tower. I never have been, right? So that's my brand. The example you gave about being a producer and looking online, I actually went through this. I don't even know if I ever told you this story, Billy, but, but this happened about a year and a half ago. A friend of mine was casting a film and they had two, it was a female lead. They had two women that they loved and they were both, he said to me, he goes, look, he goes, they're both amazing. In fact, they're like beyond amazing. And we're having, the room is split. We're having a really hard time because they have completely different takes on the character, but we love both of them. And, you know, would you come down? And I felt actually very uncomfortable because I'm like, I don't want to be the deciding vote in the room. He's like, I'd love for you to just come watch them. And I was like, all right. So I came down. The first woman comes in. She does it. She runs through it. And she's off the charts. Like, I mean, I'm sitting there looking at it going like, I, how, could, how could it possibly get any better than this? A woman comes in and knocks it out of the park in a completely different way. And I sat there and I said, I don't think I'm going to be able to be any help. I go, this is, it really kind of comes down to what you want. And while we're talking it through, one of the casting directors or the, or the casting director was on a computer. And she goes, uh, she goes, you know, what? I think we have, I think, I, I think we have our answer. And we went over and she had both Twitter, she had the first Twitter account lined up. And then the second one, one of the actresses was raging all politics and negativity and go F yourself, go fuck yourself and get all this stuff. Right. And the other one was literally all about creativity and all about artists and all about helping artists and literally answering questions or like, like going to people's, like responding to people who were like, you know, I had a terrible audition today. And like, I just, I think I can give up and like, no, don't give up and don't do that. Like, you know, please stay with it and promise me if you need to talk and everything like that, that's a brand. Right. Mm -hmm. And sharing content. She was sharing some amazing acting content and other people's stuff. Never really about her. You know, she would share stories and most of those stories were, you know, sort of educational. Like I went through this and I would love for you to learn about my mistakes. They made that decision right on the spot. Yeah. They were like, who's going to be better to the fellow actors and who's going to be less of a problem on set? Now, some people might say that's unfair. I say too bad. Your brand, if you want a career, okay, in this business, then your brand better be reflective of it. And if you don't understand how to build a brand, please, by all means, buy it. I'll even reimburse you. Buy the book because you'll understand how to source a crowd that will move for you, how to build that tribe, because it's so vital. It's so vital. So yes, I agree with everything you said. Brand is everything. Yeah, it's important these days. You know, back in the day when I came into, you know, there was no, we didn't have a cell phone. You had to put a quarter into the thing, you know, you know. Now you now cell phones. I was never a social media person. You know, I was like, yeah, I don't do Facebook. I don't do. I would never. You know, I was anti. My wife would be on Facebook. I go, what are you doing, wasting time on? Then I realized if I want to do what I want to do, which is touch as many people's lives as possible. You know, I really want to make an impact. I don't want to leave this planet with all my knowledge in my brain. I want to leave it there. I want. I want that to be my destiny. To be the guy. You know, I truly found my gift. It's not about me. It's about being of service. It's how can I make a difference in somebody else's life? You know, when my actors tell me I, I got that part or I got, I got, just got my SAG card or that is so much more rewarding for, for me than when, when I would get the part, <laughs> you know, it's really that's your brand. That, you see, that's your brand, but that's, it comes that's, through, but that's why, it comes that, through. that's why it's called the Hollywood dream maker because you know, that's what I, people, I, people knock on my door 
and they want to be an actor and they have no idea how to get started and they just have a dream. Well, when I'm done with them, they're working actors. Mm-hmm. You know, not, are they in big movies? Maybe some of them, but you know, there's a, there's a path, there's a journey. Mm-hmm. You got to go, you got to make, you got to book some of those student films, webisodes, you know, get, get, pay your dues a little bit, get your feet wet, learn what it's like to be on a set, go to audition, you know, and then you start building your reputation. You know, you start getting a, a demo reel from some footage that you shot from that independent film. And that's when you can go to an agent and, and they go, what have you been up to? And you say, well, I just did this, 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 and this, and this. Now, if I look at you and I go, wow, you've been booking all this stuff, this non-union stuff. Now, imagine if I got you on the good stuff, the, the high paying mm-hmm. stuff, you probably book those things too. I got to look at you and go, see dollar symbols. You're selling you. So it's really about building your brand. It's truly about building. What's your superpower? What's your star power? You know, you're unique. There's only one of you. Embrace who you are. That is who you are. That's what makes you. That's truly your star power. If you can bring that into a room and bring. I don't teach acting. I I teach truth. How do you be truthful? How do you personalize it? How do you take your soul and give it to a character? How do you substitute, replace, personalize it where you're not talking to some imaginary character in a script. You're talking to a real person fighting for a real need. You know who you are. That's a different game than the other actors that have just memorized some words on a page. Right. Right. You know? And I mean, and you know who you are is, is the big part of that. Uh, I mean, everything was fan- everything you just said is fantastic. You know who you are, because if you know who you are, then you know your brand. And if, if you know your brand and you're confident in your brand, people are going to gravitate to you. I, I believe that. And I believe that I keep saying that this is a tribal business and, and it's, it's a relationship business. But let me let me even take it a little bit further and say that it's a business of winning champions. You want to win the people that will go to bat on behalf of you. And that's why we're talking about crowdsourcing, and identify, engage, and move. The moving part is what everybody wants to do is step one. They want to get everybody to just go out and recognize their greatness, so to speak. And that's not the way this business works. And, and you know, you need people that are going to sit there and say, like, I really like this person. Of course, they're talented. I mean, talented, you know, there's a lot of talented, but there's not a lot of people that want to work with certain people. And you want to be one of those people that everyone wants to work with and wants to go to bat for. And I think that that's lost on a lot of people. I think... The easy part in a weird way, okay, is honing your talent and, you know, growing your talent because everybody wants to get better. If you want to be an actor, you want to be a writer, you want to be a filmmaker, you're going to put every, you're going to put your heart and soul in it. You're going to consume everything. You're going to read everything. You're getting involved in everything. But no, but not everybody understands that at the end of the day, you are one in a pool of many. And the thing that's really going to make you stand out is are the relationships you build and the people that want to work with you because of the type of person that you are. And that takes time. You know, you got to build those relationships and you got to cultivate them. Your friendships, I always say this to people, like, you know, you think about your best friendships in life, they didn't happen overnight. You didn't trust each other instantly. You know what I mean? It took time. You know, it took time to build that relationship. So, but you, but it was worth it, right? You put in the time, you put in the effort because you knew it was worth it. It's the same thing in, in, in really in any business, but it's certainly extremely true in this one because people want to work because it's collaborative. That's the, the other thing too. We work in isolation. 
We train in isolation. Like you were saying, self-tapes and everything like that. I get it. It can be isolating. We write in isolation, you know, all this stuff. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to leave that cave and you have to work. If you're on a big movie with a thousand people, if you're on a small movie with, you know, a few dozen people, I mean, and you're going to have to do that. So people aren't going to want you to be in part, well, part of that entire thing if they don't trust you, they don't believe in you, and they don't think that you're going to be a true collaborator and a true team player. Sure. I don't want to work simple. with you. You know, I, you know, sometimes, you know, working on a film, there's some long days, man. You know, you're working on a set, you're working 20, 16 hour days. I got to like you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to work with somebody, you know, and I've worked with actors, you know, on films that I didn't like, you know, yeah. that was tough. Even as a producer, you know, when I produced my film, I cast some actors based on demo reels, then I didn't get a chance to meet them in person. And then when yeah. I got in person, I realized, uh-oh, what did I mm -hmm. do? And it was a little mm -hmm. too late. So your reputation means everything in mm -hmm. this business. If you get a bad rep, being hard to work with, people don't want to work with you. You know? It's fascinating, too, because it happens all the way to the top. I could tell you a story. I won't name the actor, but, I mean, everybody knows him, and he's. I guess he is still A-list, I guess. I mean, but, I mean, he had mega hits years ago, but, you know, I guess he's still considered A-list. But, you know, we were sitting in CAA talking to them about packaging one of my screenplays, and, you know, we were with the producing team and the whole deal, and this guy's agent basically said to us, if you want value in your film, basically meaning, you know, that this person has foreign sales value and you'll be able to sell this person overseas as part of your package, this is your guy for this particular role. But here's the thing. This brings you value and a fucking nightmare on your set. And there are a lot of people that will take that trade-off for that A-list actor, but they're not taking that trade-off for you. <laughs> if you're not, you know what I'm saying? If, if you're not that, that big or that, you know what I mean? They, you know, there's a million people that could fill that role. Yep. There's a million people that they could work with. So again, it goes back to even that example with the casting room where they took the actress that they knew would be yeah, well, giving. Listen, your job is as an actor is, you know, if you go into that room is to, to, to be more prepared than the next person to do outwork them, out prep them, out choice them, out everything them. Mm -hmm. So you can go into that room and, and play. And guess what happens if you're in that room having fun, that casting director is going to see all your choices and see you having fun and become a fan of your work. Yeah. And guess yep. what? You may not be right for this project, but some other project's going to come down the pipe six months from now, and they're going to go, oh my gosh, let's bring our beef in for that role. Remember what he did last time? And they become mm -hmm. fans, and like they become champions of you, and they, they want to help find you work. You know? Same thing, by the way, this is also extremely true of writers these days that are looking to, to write in TV. Nobody wants a writer in the writer's room that's going to be a pain in the ass or isn't going to be a team player. I mean, that doesn't mean they want writers that are going to roll over. They want writers that are going to you know, express their opinions because that's the whole idea. You guys got to break story and everything like that. But they certainly don't want writers in the writer's room that uh, they think are going to be difficult or not going to bring anything to the party or anything like that. They, and, and if you're not right for that writer's room, same thing as your casting director, for example, they'll remember you because they'll remember the writing and they'll remember the person. And I think that's, what I, I think that's the big lesson, right? They're going to remember the talent. They're going to remember the human being. And that's so important. So many people lose the human being part of it. And that's so vital. It's Listen, so vital. You, you get the part, right? And you show up to a set and you're a jerk. Well, guess what? That gets around. You go, you listen, I, I, I once, I did a, a TV series, Jerry Bruckheimer's first television series, right? 
And my character got shot in the pilot episode, right? But I was so professional. I was so prepared. I was, I, I was made friends with the producer. I was doing freaking magic tricks. You know, I was just, they liked me around. They were like, they were inviting me out to dinner. Why don't you come out? You know, they liked having me around. Yeah. And I made friends with them. And my character died. Got shot. It was supposed to die, right? So, you know, a little time went by. I, I, I came up with an idea. I created a stationery from a military hospital with a doctor's note saying that my character has recovered from his, you know, his gunshot wounds. He's ready for acting, ready for active duty. And they got that and they laughed and they thought it was the funniest thing. And they wrote me back into the show. I love you know? that. But God, why? And your because stories are amazing. Your stories because, are amazing. Because they like me. I That's the likable. common denominator. Yeah. That's the common denominator. Now, if I would have been man. a jerk on that show because I was pissed off because my character died and I wasn't going to be in the series because another actor could have had that kind of attitude, I wouldn't, uh, I would have been dead. <laughs> you know, that would have been the end of it. Let me ask you a question. So how long did it take you? Because I know you told me like, you know, you came out determined and you came out, I wouldn't say with a chip on your shoulder, but certainly, you know, ready to roll. And so how long did it take you to kind of adapt that mentality? Because I'm sure at the beginning you were just like a shark, right? You're going, you're going, you're trying to get the role and everything like that. But that mentality of I'm going to really make them like me and I'm going to really make them understand me and I'm going to make them want, they're, they're not going to be able to ignore me. They're going to want me back. From the get-go. From, from, yeah. From, yeah. You know what? Remember that we were talking about that kid in Brooklyn, whatever. Yeah. Hollywood yeah. seemed a million miles away. Well, you know what? I sit in front of my television and I watch this show called The Fall Guy with Lee Majors. <laughs> and it was all about Hollywood and stuntmen and stuff like that. And I would literally like stare at the TV and dream like, wow, I want to do that. Well, first, you know, long story short, I came out to Hollywood. My first audition was for The Fall Guy. I went in there. I got that part. It's like I had jumped into my TV. But, you know, here I was. I grew up watching The Six Million Dollar Man and Heather Thomas. And, you know, so I worked that set like you couldn't believe. I was giving Heather Thomas massages in a, in a trailer. Can't do that today. <laughs> no, but, but what I'm saying, <laughs> can't do that today is right. But, you know, I was, I was, I was, I made friends on that set. You know, I yeah. learned very early on, you want to be, you want to, they want you around. If they want you around, they like you, they want you, they want to keep you around. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I I've turned, I've it. turned guest starring roles into reoccurring characters. My character on Who's the Boss was a guest star. And yeah. I had so much fun on the show and they liked what I did and they liked me that they kept writing me episodes. Yeah. But that's, that's what you do. You know, that's how you build relationships. And mm -hmm. that's how you become a working writer, actor, producer, whatever. It's all about relationships. It's and really you want to go back to the well. All, I mean, people want to go back to the well over and over again. I, I talked earlier about the TV pilot that we were pitching. The showrunner that we attach has been in the business for 30 years. He, he was the number two on Battlestar Galactica. He was the, the co-number one on The Strain. He's on For All Mankind, which is the Apple TV show right now. and. What's fascinating, this is, I mean, if this doesn't exemplify what we're talking about, is what's fascinating is when he broke in, his first job has basically led to every other job that he's had. He's never had to audition. He's never had to submit a writing sample. Wow. He has never had to do anything because he, is, he was so well-liked from the beginning. And people loved his work, but they loved him more. That every single one of these jobs, now, if you think about it, I mean, you're talking about Ron Moore, who created Battlestar Galactica, one of the biggest TV producers in, in the business. Colin Cuse did The Strain and, you know, also did Lost and, and a bunch of other things. 
also gigantic. And Ramor does for all mankind. So regardless of the material, which is, you know, something else that a lot of people think about, like, oh, you know, if I write sci-fi, I can't, nobody, they're not going to let me write anything else. Whatever. These people have hired him to do a wide berth of shows and content and genres because they love him. They know he has the chops. Most importantly, they love him and they know he's going to be unbelievable in the room. And now they trust him to, even though he is not listed as the showrunner for like for All Mankind, every, he really, run, I mean, they, they, Ron is off producing seven other shows. So that's the relationship then. You look at Steven Soderbergh, you look at his credits, it's the same people over and over and over again. Never mind the actors. I mean, of course, he goes to the same well with the actors. Look at Scorsese. Sure. Look at, you know, the, you the producers. Find people these. you like that are talented. You want to work with them. Because the business is hard enough. Yeah. You got to make it, if you can make it easier on set, goddamn, yeah. man. Making a know. film is like going to war. It's going to, it's a battle. It. And you better make sure you have people in the trenches that you like. <laughs> you well, it's, it's like going to war and there's a million battles, right? If you can cut those million battles down to half a million. Mm-hmm. You're playing with house money, right? And the way you do that is by working with people that you have a shorthand with and that you like. Absolutely. Hey, listen, brother, truly, thank you. I know you're a hard guy to track down, and I'm truly, truly grateful for you coming on, dropping some serious golden nuggets. So, you know, actors, writers, go to Stage 32, sign up, network. It's a safe place to show your talent. Well, I, I appreciate that. I would invite everyone who is listening to please... Sign up, get involved. You could, when you sign up, by the way, you get me on your wall. That's an automated message. But if you write me, everything you see on the platform, I write. I would also encourage everyone to follow me on Twitter and Instagram just because I'm always sharing all this content every day at RB, my initials. RB walks into a bar. Like a horse walks into a bar, RB walks into a bar. And you'll see all the content that I'm sharing on Instagram and Twitter. Awesome. And I'll put those links in the description to the podcast. Brother, stay safe, stay healthy. I look forward for this thing to end. So you back into the studio, we can continue working on your craft. Yeah. Send my love. I will. And I I can't wait just to even just go have a meal and and a drink and share more war stories and see you. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, man. Thank you. All right. Take care, brother. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. Please rate, review, share this with your friends. Subscribe if you haven't. Please take whatever you get from here, the golden nuggets, and apply them to your career. Go after your dreams with passion. Don't let anybody tell you it can't be done. I believe in you. Follow your dreams. I'll see you in Hollywood.